Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Well, hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to Eastlake. We're so glad that you made it out. Thanks for making Eastlake a part of your weekend, and we are at that phase in the summer where I feel like everybody's like, I'm good. It's It's been really hot, but I think I'm done, and... Uh, so fair week school starting, big uh, big couple weeks ahead. So we're pumped that you would uh, take time to make this a part of your end of the summer sort of plans. And if you're a guest with us today, you picked a great day to come check us out. Kicking off a brand new series today. Uh, it's a three-part teaching series called uh, A Gentle Answer. It's going to be a series on underreactions. But before we talk about underreactions, I want to talk about something way more fun, which is overreactions. <laughs> Aren't overreactions awesome? Like, not when you're involved in them, but like watching them happen. And COVID gave us so many great overreactions. There was a lot of bad things about COVID. One of the really fun things was videos of overreactions in airports, in grocery stores, in all, and on both sides. It doesn't matter. This isn't a political thing. It's, there was overreactions everywhere. And some of it was so good. And, and we got really skilled at the art of filming something without letting on that we're filming something, didn't we? That became a skill set that was valuable uh, and to be able to go off and, and do things. And overreactions are, are super fun because in that moment when you're watching it, with it whether you're there or you know, you're watching it from the safety of your own smartphone on, on repeat or whatever, you look at that and you say, that thing that happened didn't warrant that response or that effect right? There is a proper response somewhere between these two categories, depending on where they're at. And, and you can either react like a normal person or like a crazy person. And, and, and that's where we, we would say that, that action, uh, that response, that reaction uh, does not, did not, was not warranted by what took place. And so uh, we, we know what overreactions are because we're so used to them and, and can see them right now. But we're going to talk about underreactions for a little bit. And there's a verse that shows up in the, uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, uh, and if, if you have been a part of Eastlake, you know I've, I've talked about Proverbs before, basically being like a life curriculum for a bunch of Jewish people who their, their kids didn't, they didn't have a school system, go teach them morals and life things. This was a, like a handbook for if you're a parent, raise your kid up in these proverbial ways and, and, and life is generally gonna go good for you. And they're not to, uh, necessarily religious. A lot of them were just Proverbs on life. I mean, some of them had to do with, you know, be accountable to God, a creator, all that kind of stuff. But some of them were just like, hey, this is a smart way to go about life, right? Uh, and so if you want your kid to grow up in a sense of wisdom that this was it, it's categorized as a book of wisdom this is one of our wisdom books that they would have we have history books we have law legal books this is what you can and can't do and all that kind of stuff and then this was just general if you want life to go well for you this is going to be generally true about life now not always there are going to be some exceptions to the rule and we always love to focus on the exceptions to the rule what about what about but that's not the point of the Proverbs. The point of the Proverbs is in general, this is kind of a wise option for you to do. And so in Proverbs chapter 15, verse one, it kicks off with this idea of a gentle answer. A gentle answer turns away wrath 
but a harsh word stirs up anger. In life in general, when you respond gently, you're able to turn away somebody who is ticked off at you. This is a good sign. Listen, if this should be in an employee handbook, if you're an employer, this is something to add in there. Uh, this, is, this is a way to think about some things because everybody's coming with something and you can say, listen, just choosing to go with a gentle answer is gonna be really effective in general in life at turning away wrath. And a harsh word, or you have the other option to go the other direction, a harsh word tends to make things worse. Now, this is probably wiser. This one sometimes is a bit more fun, right? (laughs) This one is the one we know we should do. This is the one that we want to do sometimes because she's crazy, right? So we're processing all of this. And the general uh, uh, invitation to the way of life that Jesus does, which we've said that, that this is what this church is all about. This is, um, uh, we, we want to be people who, have, who, who look at this and say, Jesus was unique. Um, he, he was, his, his death, burial, and resurrection was validation of his sonship in Christ, that there was a connection there that is different. His take on life probably weighs more or should weigh more in my life than kind of anybody else's take. If I, if I really do believe um, he comes from this idea of a creator God. And, and so we, we, we just said, hey, what would it look like to look and live uh, in the way of Jesus in the invitation to his way of doing things and, and looking at his thoughts and his things? And, and I know he wasn't alive and, and facing all the same things that we're facing in terms of cell phones and distractions and whatever, uh, and, and access to information at all times, and, and money in, in terms of wealth. Uh, and these people, the people that he talked to, had had no paradigm for the the, uh, the the battle with wealth that we would have as Americans. Uh, yet we are called to then to kind of look at that and be like, this is how he responded to this way. What would it look like to live that way in the way of Jesus and this invitation to do life in this this uh, this, this new way? And so he has an invitation to us. The way of Jesus invites us into the unexpected, the unprecedented underreaction. When you read through, if you read through the gospels, I read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and looked at the way that Jesus responded and reacted to things over and over and over again, what you see are underreactions to things that normal, normal response would be here, overreactions would be up here. And some of you would be sitting there going, well, Brent, what about like that whole, I remember the temple story, right? Remember that one time that Jesus went into the temple? Or like, this is what you're thinking, right? As soon as I said Jesus was an underreactor, you're like, well, well, well. He flipped over tables. He went into the temple one time and flipped over tables and said, you've made this house, this house of the Lord into a den of thieves. And you're right, he did overreact in that way. Now, the context of it is people are setting up systems and taking advantage of the less fortunate and the poor and, and the people who don't have access to kind of the things. And they were setting up the game in favor of themselves and putting the stamp of religiosity on it. And so, yes, there is a time for righteous indignation. And for Jesus, whenever the, the name of God is applied to something that he has nothing to do with, that deserves righteous indignation, right? And so there's, there's a, there are moments to overreact. But the reason that stands out is so different from you. you didn't even grow up in church maybe and immediately you knew kind of knew that story the reason that that stands out so distinct is because it feels so different from his typical pattern and typical behavior of how he operated because he, because he constantly responded with reactions that were under reactions to the uh, elements that were provided to him to the circumstances of that time when things would happen to him he figured out ways to underreact and people were kind of blown away and they thought who is this person that we're dealing with? This guy is something different. This, this thought is, is a uniquely way of doing things. This reason stands out. The reason it stands out is because it was so contra- contrary to his normal behavior. His behavior was often characterized as an overreaction in the other direction because who would say or do something like that in light of what happened 
to him. Jesus repeatedly saw instances where he was treated unjustly, unfairly, and unkindly. And instead of responding and reacting in kind, you hurt me, I hurt you, quid pro quo sort of thing, he saw these things as an opportunity. And he invited his followers at that time specifically, and then by chance, us peeking over the shoulders of those disciples as they wrote down their history of how things took place, us by invitation as well, to see those times when we were treated unjustly, unfairly, unkindly. What if that was an opportunity? What if that is an opportunity? An opportunity to underreact when everybody is expecting, probably hoping for with their cameras hidden, an overreaction? And if you just respond normal, they're like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. You just let an, Jesus would say, you just let an opportunity pass you by because you have an opportunity in those moments to underreact intentionally and follow in the footsteps of your savior who was treated unjustly, unkindly, and unfairly and responded each time with this. To have people look at the way that you live and go through life and that they see the way that you react and they say that action and that response it doesn't match up to what happened to them. He should be so angry. He should be so angry at her, at him, at that boss, at that something or whatever. And they're just not, what's, what's the matter with you? You should be ticked off. You should not be friendly in this scenario. She shouldn't forgive. Why, why, are, you, why are you processing through? You're coming to me as a friend, as a confidant. You're telling me all this stuff that's going through me. And you're, you're talking about how painful it is to forgive this person. You shouldn't forgive this person. After what they did to you, you want to underreact? It doesn't make sense in our framework. We say for you to kind of react in, in like a, a mainstream thing would be enough. You're doing them a favor by not overreacting because you have every right to overreact. And instead, we, we, we look at that and be like, what, what's the matter with you? What, what's going on? And this is, if this had happened to me, and this is what you've said. You've said to friends before who have, who, have, who have asked you to kind of process through like a counseling thing and, and they're, they're talking to you about what they wanna do and how they wanna react and respond. And, and one of them, you know, they're just a better person than you. And you know that, that's fine, it's fine. It's good. Uh, and, and you would say, listen, you're too nice. Because if that had happened to me, dot, dot, dot. And then you lead on with what you would do in that way. You, and you would say, you helped them, you apologize, you forgave them, that doesn't make any sense to me. Listen, we've all heard the adage, uh, actions speak louder than words, and that's absolutely true, but reactions speak louder than both of them. Actions do speak louder than words, right? But reactions, how you react and how you respond, especially in that immediate gut level instinct response. Jesus was so good in, in that moment, not having time to sit back and think about it, because then, then we kind of factor in a bunch of different things, but in that moment, underreacting in this way, because a lot of times we all know how to like conduct ourselves in public. And we know when people are watching to have a certain level of behavior, we're really good at filtering our behavior for the most part. Every once in a while, we don't get our way. We, our reactions kind of jump out and we say things or do things and we, our filter's not quite in place yet. And we would say, I'm so sorry. It was just in the moment. And I, I overreacted, but I've had some time to think about it. And now I would like to come and apologize. And now I'm gonna take the process of thinking through the underreactions. But there was something in us initially that wants to overreact. What is that in us? And how do we harness that power for something a little bit different? When we sound and react like everybody else, 
We sound and react like everybody else. You may be really good because you're a Christian, because you're, you know, you're trying to live. Maybe you're not, maybe you're just here. Maybe you're just like, I'm just trying to be a good person. And I've seen other people handle this better than I am. I want to try my best to do this. But when we take it and we think about and we evaluate our own personal reactions in that moment, we realize when we, this is so true, when we sound and react like everybody else, we sound and react like everybody else. And what happens is when we attach kind of our faith to it, when people know that we're a Christian or when we like preface our, our, our response with, well, as a Christian, I wanna do this or you know, whatever, and we do this and, and we have people who are outside of the face looking at us, watching us, they know that about us. They've seen us post on our Instagram Bible verses and now we're responding this way and they're like, what is that, right? When we sound and react like everybody else, we sound and react like everybody else. And we miss, according to Jesus, a big opportunity. We miss our opportunity. Unexpected reactions are often what makes stories worth telling, worth telling. And so Jesus would say, listen, you're gonna go through life. Things are gonna happen. It's not gonna be fair. There's gonna be unfair, unjust, unkind things that happen to you. There's gonna be a moment of reaction, but what if we could harness that a little bit? What if you could, instead of seeing this as an opportunity to overreact, see it as an opportunity to do and live something different. A way, an invitation into what I'm calling today the impractical way of Jesus. And when I say impractical way, it'll make sense in a minute because you're gonna sit there and be like, that is very impractical. That is, that is not how life works. And that is not what I signed up for <laughs> and not what I'm interested in doing. Jesus in his, one of his most famous uh, sermons called the Sermon on the Mount a lot of times. Um, it shows up in Matthew and Luke, but in, in Matthew, it feels like a kind of a collection. It's organized too well. There's like four sections with a beginning and an end. And so it probably wasn't like a sermon. It was probably like Matthew spent some time with Jesus. He remembered these are like general things that he talked about. And, and in uh, an opportunity to kind of stand up and, and, and say, this was part of the Jesus ethic and the Jesus way of doing life. Um, in Matt, Matthew chapter five, we see him talking to these people and he's going into this impractical way of Jesus. He, he gets done with the Beatitudes. He's done the Beatitudes piece. And now he's going into like very, very practical life steps. And if you wanna go through life, here's proverbial way of doing life. That's a good way. Again, if you wanna operate in wisdom, this is be a wise way to do life. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, this is verse 38, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Which by, side note for half, I'm gonna stop there for one second. Sounds regressive, Right? Uh, sounds like in our modern day and age, a step back. And it is from an evolution of judiciary thought, right? To say, you slap me, I get to slap you, right? Or, or they hurt you this much, you get to hurt them. You know, they, they hit you with their car and they apologize, but now they have to go park and you get to hit them with, that sounds really regressive, right? That sounds like that's terrible. Even, even like laughing at that, you're like, I don't even know if I wanna laugh at that. Um, but, uh, so, but, the, but for them, coming out of like an ancient legal or lack of legal system, that was an evolutionary move forward for a lot of people. When somebody harms you, just because they're more powerful than you does not give them a right to do that to you. There's some sort of payment system, right? There is some sort of thing that they must follow through now and do this. This is, an, this is for them, a, a lot of times in the Old Testament, a, a pulling forward in terms of ev evolutionary thought. Now, Jesus is affirming that and saying that was good at for a time, but there is actually a little bit further that you can go with this if you'll listen to me. And if you'll see this as an opportunity not to overreact, but to underreact. You've heard that it was said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now, I do wanna clarify one thing real quick. At this point in Jesus's teaching, um, he, is, he is not talking about self-defense. He's, he's talking about retaliation, okay? 
So he's saying when something has happened to you, it's, it's not a, if somebody breaks in your house, you just point them to the china and the gold and all that kind of stuff, right? That's not what he's saying. But, but he is saying there is a, a sense in which uh, when things happen to you, uh, you don't escalate it. Remember as a kid, when your sister would punch, you know, brother, sister, whatever, somebody would punch you in the arm and then you just punch back and you'd be like, I get to punch you back. And it's always a little harder than the last one. And that, it was just like an escalating thing until mom gets called in. That's what he's saying. We're not gonna play that game anymore. Don't, don't go into that sort of spiral of retaliation piece. He goes, if anybody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And, and what, what he's saying, he specifically mentions, Matthew records Jesus, and I remember him saying the right cheek. Why would he say the right cheek? Because what, what, in that scenario, most people at this time are right-handed, right? Even in general in society now, there's, I think, only 8 10% of people who are left-handed. So for the most part, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek and you're facing them, what does that mean? It's not this. It's not a closed fist this. It's one of these things. When somebody slaps you this way, what does that mean? I'm not trying to fight you. I'm trying to disgrace you. I'm trying to shame you. I'm trying to insult you. When somebody strikes you, when somebody insults you on the right cheek, go ahead and turn the other cheek also for them. It's an insult, not assault. And, and, when, and they're saying this, and when people are doing that, when they're trying to bait, they're trying to bait you into conflict, aren't they? Don't take the bait. Don't fall for it. What if you saw that as an opportunity to underreact? What if in that moment, everybody would understand if you wanted, if you started fighting, scrapping with them or talking to them or, or, or whatever, but what if you just didn't do that? What if you didn't respond in that way? What if you took a different approach? Verse uh, 41, we're gonna jump down a couple of verses. If anybody forces you to go a mile, go with them two miles. Now he's talking about something very, very specific here. He's not talking in general. If somebody says, hey, would you mind walking a mile? Which, why would that ever come up? He's talking about... Um, occupancy with, within the soldiers. Like uh, he's talking about these, these soldiers had every right is because remember they're, they're living in a time with, where they're in occupied Israel. Rome has kind of taken over. Jerusalem is really far away. Israel's really far away from the kingdom. It's kind of on the fringes. So it kind of gets like the leftovers. If you had to work in Israel as a Roman soldier, you were banished there. Like there was a reason that you were there. That wasn't a good spot to be. You're kind of out, out on the outskirts of this thing. And one of the things as, as Roman soldiers is they had this opportunity. They could ask anybody they wanted to. You've got to carry all my gear. I've got these bags. I've got this weight. I've got this job that I need to do. You have to do something for me by law. Now, there was boundaries in place. You're not going to take advantage of it. You're, you can ask anybody to go with you a mile. And when they do that, do it, do it to the spot, respond and say, I'll go even further than that. It, we, we liken it to um, almost like uh, uh, soldiers' quarters back in like uh, some of the early world wars when, when soldiers would be traveling across and out of love for your country, these soldiers are gonna come, they need a hot meal, they need a place to sleep for the night and they'll be out within a day. And people would open up their homes. And, and, and th that makes sense when they're defending you, you know, your country that you live in. But Jesus is talking about people who, they don't defend you, they're taxing you. They're the ones that make sure you fall in line with this. There's everything in this to not make eye contact with these soldiers, to like, to do everything you can to avoid it. And he's saying, no, no, do what you need to do. Like go above and beyond this sort of thing. It's impractical. It doesn't make sense. It's really hard. It's an underreaction because everything within you wants to spit on them and say, this is a joke. We don't, you work against us. Why would we do something for you? But he's, he's saying, go and, and make this thing happen. It's at this point in the teaching that everybody like me, if I'm in the audience that day is thinking, we're not doing any of this, Jesus. Like, 
super cool that you're talking about this and like it makes sense. And I just, I just don't see how it actually plays out in real life. Because listen, I'm practical. I'm like, I, I understand the, the desire and the, 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 the thing, but like nobody lives this way. How could you live this way long-term? Like you couldn't, right? Jesus continues on. He's not letting us out with our excuses and saying that just sounds impractical. He goes, I, I know, I know, but you're, you're seeing this still as an opportunity to react. I'm seeing it as an opportunity. Verse 42 says this, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Give to anybody who asks you, which can obviously we sit there and at the practical side of me goes, that feels like something that could be really taken advantage of. People just coming up going, you owe me a hundred bucks, right? And you know, can't say anything. Jesus said it. You know what I mean? Like if I'm poor that day, I'm probably loving this, this talk. And this is really, really great. But Jesus is saying, listen, you have this process of lending to people, but here's what you do. You lend to people that you like. You lend to people that you know are in a current state of crisis, but know that you know that they have the means of repaying you you know that the, the odds of you getting your money back are really high. So it's not really a risk at that point. All you've done is given to people that it's like the safe, like it's just a, a matter of investing. You get this, you understand this. He's like, there's, there's a, a time and a place for that, but you shouldn't just isolate and not talk to people that, you, that might not be able to pay you back. They might really need it at this point. He's appealing to their generosity. He's saying, don't just think through it through the lens of who can repay me, who can repay me. He's like, there's gonna be some people that you are gonna give money to. And when you do it, you're gonna give them the, the, the dignity of calling it a loan. Not here's a handout, here's a loan, you can repay me. And then slowly over time, you just like forgive the loan. So they operate with the dignity of having somebody lend this to, the, to them, but and yet, yet uh, not feeling like I, I'm, just, I'm just a recipient of a handout. He's like, this is a way of doing life. What if you took this as an opportunity? But I'm gonna be taken advantage of. And he goes, I know, isn't it great? Isn't it kind of great that people are going to look at that and be like, nobody lives like that. That feels incredibly impractical. Verse 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For those of you who aren't even like super religious, you've kind of heard this phrase before. This is a pretty popular one, right? He's saying, Love your, you've heard this said, it's not really that big of a deal for people to love people who like them. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And let's just do like a real honesty check real quick. You don't even pray for people you like, do you? Like there, there'd be some of us who'd be like, I need to pray more in general. Uh, and I need to, I, and well, I do like myself and I pray for myself a lot. So there's a sense in which I do pray for people I like. And Jesus is saying, you should pray for people that you don't even like. That's a huge step. I mean, who lives this way? Who approaches life and relationships in this way? And he goes on, he's not finished with that one. Why? What's the motivation? What's the picture? I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven that you may be aligned with your creator. That from Genesis, we've been taught that you've been made in the image of God and that you're supposed to live out your best life reflecting as clearly as possible the image of your creator. That when people see you in the way that you live life, they should be more convinced than ever that there is a gracious God who exists. And Paul would say about Jesus, talking about who he was, he was the icon of God. If we wanna know what God is like, 
No clearer of a picture do we get. We don't have to look at the Old Testament. We don't have to look at anything else. The clearest picture that we get is through the person that was and is Jesus. And what if we it obeyed and listened to his invitation to live in this way of doing life? And for him to say that doing this, that these types of things is the best way to reflect a creator God who, by the way, has done this for you, who he would say sent his son to die on a cross for us. That he says is, it's, it's more than expected, right? What are you, if you only, he goes on in this way. And if you only welcome your own, own, own people, what are you doing more than others? If you only like people who you like and like you and look like you and what dress like you and talk like you and like all the same things that you do, that's normal. But what I'm inviting you to do is something that's more than normal. It's an overreaction in the underreaction sort of way. I want you to underreact in such a way that people are like, that doesn't make sense in any framework that I have. That's right, it doesn't. Because it's something, it's an invitation to something completely differently. If you love those who love you, what recognition will you get? Sorry, I jumped it back. We're gonna go back one verse. Are, he says this, are not even the tax collectors known for doing that? It's not any great feat that you like people who like you and look like you and talk like you, right? Don't tax collectors do that? Remember the tax collectors? They were the ones who like leveraged their position to make money, made money off of their own people. It was one of the most disrespected professions in this time. When Jesus pulls this together, he's gonna categorize them as tax collectors and sinners over and over and over again in the gospel stories because this was the category of people when you say the words immediately, some negative connotations come into your mind. So here's what I wanna do is kind of a little practice for us today. I want you to, in terms of, okay, who, who then are we called to kind of love in this way? I want you to think about a group of people in a profession that you have an incredible lack of respect for, Okay. And we're all, I'm gonna, all on three, we're going to say it out loud to each other. Are you ready for this? I'm just kidding. One, one two, you know, anyways, no, don't, don't do it. Uh, somebody said pastor in the back? What was that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's where that's at. It's Jesus is trying to reach into the kind of grab bag of, of all of the things that people were not supposed to like at all. And he's like, hey, I, not only are you supposed to like them and, and, and be kind to them when they, when, they, when they are around you, but I actually want you to, in your time, your limited time of prayer, to pray for them. And when you pray for them, what are you praying for? Uh, God, I pray for their soul that you would rescue them from hell. No, I'm asking that you would bless them. That prayer is a prayer of blessing that you would see fruit in their life that they would fall in line with their image of their creator, that they would experience blessings in this life, that their family, that their, everything that they put their hands to would be uh, fruitful and, and uh, yeah, flourish, that, that their, their life would be characterized by shalom or a sense of peace and flourishing in life, that God ordained all of these types of things. And Jesus, if you do this just to the people that you like, I mean, what is that? That's not more than anything. I'm inviting you to something more. Verse 48, be perfect, therefore, just as your heavenly father is perfect. And oftentimes this, this kind of invitation is a little misconstrued because we think, oh, it's holiness. Be holy as your heavenly father is holy because a translation has that. But it's, it's actually like this idea of uh, action. We could never be as perfect as God is perfect. That's like part and parcel of the whole thing of how different. It's not like we're, he, God's up here and we're like pretty close. Like when we're on our best behavior, we're pretty darn close. He's saying this is something altogether entirely different. So the idea of being holy or perfect or all put together isn't a sense of, of righteousness in that way, but be perfect towards one another. 
Be perfect in your attitudes towards one another in the same way that God, through Christ Jesus, has been perfect towards you. Overdo it in this way. Jesus is the king who reacted to our sin by dying for it, to pay for it. Jesus commands us to react towards others the same way that he reacted towards us. So in this three-part series, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna practice a little underreaction together this week. I want you to try and go from here and take practical examples of what would it look like for me to underreact. And we're gonna isolate it first. We're gonna start real easy, okay? We're gonna work our way forward, but we're gonna just try and practice this with people at home because these are people that we, are, we love or at least are supposed to love and, and this, is, this is a big deal. So this is important and we should, you know, you don't even have to do this at work this week. We just take a pass. Come back next week, we'll get there. But practice this with this week with those who you love the most. They deserve it after all, right? What would it look like for me to underreact in circumstances this week with the people that I love the most? So I want you to think about something that happens on a regular basis at home that perturbs you, disturbs you, upsets you, or gets on your nerves. With one little qualifier, This cannot be a person, it has to be a thing, okay? (laughs) Can't be a person, it's gotta be a thing. So go, uh, Phil, if you would go back to that last list. Something that perturbs you, disturbs you, upsets you, and gets on your nerves. And it happens at home, and it happens with people that you love. And what would it look like for you to choose an underreaction this week, to harness the energy of my temptation to overreact because we... Up until this point, we've been known, characterized as an overreaction in this way. So something like this came up a few weeks ago uh, in in our home, and I knew I was going to be talking about something like this. And so I I, I had a conversation with my wife on the drive home from a camping trip that we were doing. And and I said, uh, what perturbs you, disturbs you, upsets you, gets on your nerves about me? And it was just dangerous, I know, right? And she's like, she got out this banjo, was like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. You know, I'm just kidding, no. Like, it just goes on and on. Where do I start? Where do I stop, right? Um, uh, no, it was, uh, she's, she's, she's so great. She's like, oh, well, he's, you're great. I'm like, I know, but here's the deal. Um, <laughs> what is it? There's something, come on. And so after about five minutes of coaxing or so, she goes, well, here's the deal. I, there's something that I, I kind of just like overlook and I just bite my tongue, and, but it, it riles something up inside of me. And, 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 and so um, when we get in the car uh, and you start driving before all the kids are buckled, yeah. <laughs> and specifically we have a four-year-old and it's in that phase where he knows how to buckle himself. It just takes a lot of time to make that happen sometimes, right? And the effort, I just don't feel like is fully there, right? As a parent, I'm like, Brad, you got this. You've done this how many times now? And it's there, there, you, when you've graduated, I'm telling you, there's, like a, there's a graduation phase that you go through. When you, in, in your mind, emotionally, I don't have to crawl in the back anymore and buckle any more kids. Like, it's like, I don't have to change any more diapers. And then right underneath that is I don't have to buckle kids in the backseat anymore. It's really high up there. I don't know if it's been a while since you had kids or don't have kids or whatever, but that's just emotionally where I was at. And so I don't want to get back there and do that. Um, and I also know my, my defense is, and I responded, I never get out on any main streets, right? Like I'm not, this is not illegal. So please don't like call CPS and be like, my pastor, you got to hear this story. We have a recording of it. He can prove, I can prove it. Uh, 
I always wait, I, and I'm, I'm, but, I'm, but I am willing to back out of a spot and slowly kind of move everywhere. And she says, it feels like there's pressure for him, like for me, do I gotta crawl on the back and make this thing happen? Because we're really close to Court Street and we gotta make this thing happen real soon, right? And so it's always, I'm just like, what if you just stopped? What if you just didn't do that for a little bit? What if we just waited and just had patience? And I said, all right, I'm gonna try. And guys, I have been trying and it is so hard. It is so, so hard. This feels like a confession moment to you, but I, I am absolutely trying because I know it, you know, it perturbs her, disturbs her, it upsets her. And I'm, so I'm trying to underreact in those moments. And he goes, I can't figure it out. Normally I'd be like, I don't know. I don't even want to say what I would say. <laughs> I'm choosing to underreact. It's okay, buddy, you got this, right? That is an underreaction and I am working on it, Okay. So then, then I'm waiting in the car for her to be like, what perturbs you about me, right? It doesn't come for a few minutes. And so I got to lead into that conversation. It's a whole nother story. And, <laughs> and she's in the other room doing youth right now. So she's not even here to defend herself. So there, she's listening to this on a walk on, a, on like Monday or something like that. But um, what is it? If you want to know, do you want to know what it is about you? Like that's, you know, maybe you don't, I don't know, but. Um, I, I, uh, I, I start saying, listen, this is, this is what it was for me. And this is crazy. When she calls me during the day, summertime. So maybe this will kind of take a back seat. And we're at the end of summer. So it's just like, oh, it's right. It's right there. Right. And she's with kids somewhere and she calls me and I pick up the phone. Hey babe. And she is talking to the kids while I'm on the phone. And, and she'll be like, Grayson, no, 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 put that down. Stop, Clive, stop, stop, stop. And I'm like, hello? And she'll be like, hang on. Hey, I'm here. Just hang on one second. Jo- Jovi, could you just stop doing that? And I'm like, hello? Talk to me. Hey, just, hold on. Just, I'm, I'll be right there. Hang on. Just, I just, and I'm like, call me back. Call me back. Okay, bye. <laughs> Drives you crazy. Drives you crazy. Well, do you need me? If you need me, call me. But if you don't, call me back when you're ready to talk. Because there's something in me. I overreact and I'm a jerk. And she'll call me back and be like, are you fine? Are you okay? Is something wrong? And be like, oh, I'm totally fine. Sounds like you're not fine, right? So <laughs> that is an overreaction on my part that I am confessing to you to work on. Now I have reason. You can ask her later about this. But this is, <laughs> this is what it is, right? This is a tough thing. And we go through this. I love my wife. We have a great relationship. Uh, but inevitably, when you do life close with people, this is people that I like. This is people that I live with, I love. We share life together. We share life together and I still find myself overreacting, not even reacting like a normal person. Hey, it sounds like you got a lot of stuff on your plate. You're like, it's it's fine, right? I'm like overreacting. What is that about? What is that? Choosing then instead this week to join, I'm inviting you to join me in this multi-month process of trying to figure out what it looks like to underreact in these situations. This is super practical. And the beauty about this is just like the Proverbs, this has nothing to do with like, uh, you know, like as Christians, we're doing this because of the invitation of Jesus to live in this impractical way of Jesus. But this is super helpful, even if you're not religious, even if you're just here because somebody invited you and promised you lunch afterwards or whatever. Like, like what, what are you going to lose by attempting to practice this? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you're going to get to the end of a month and people are going to be like, well, that was a waste of time. What's going to happen is the people that you live with are going to be like, what happened to you? Right? 
where's my dad at? Because this, this is not the dad that I know. This is a, this is a different version uh, of me. So uh, uh, this is an invitation and an impractical way of doing life to underreact when we can and to ask ourselves the question, what would amazing look like in this situation? You want to know what underreaction looks like? What would amazing look like in this situation? And your loved ones will notice. And when they do, I want you to tell me about it. Brent at EastLakeTriCities.com. I want to hear your stories of underreactions. Email them to me. Talk about, I want, I, there, there might be something that I got two more weeks in this series. I, got, I need material. So tell me about your underreactions <laughs> and let's celebrate them together. And let's maybe live in this idea uh, with this understanding uh, that a gentle answer turns away wrath and a harsh word stirs up anger. Let's pray together. Father, our prayer is that you would allow that verse and that proverb and that reality and that invitation of Jesus to sink deep into our hearts, that it would become so practical that we would uh, walk away and practice and, and, and ask ourselves the question, when our emotions are riled up, what would amazing look like in response to this and what really drives us crazy the most? And maybe we can learn to underreact and, uh, and follow in the footsteps of our Savior. Give us the wisdom to know what that looks like in our life. Curse you something about it in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri Cities in your favorite app store.